Thanks for joining us today. This week, we'll hear a message from Pastor Andy Bowles. And if you got your Bible, slip over real quick with me to Mark. Mark chapter 1. And so we're going we're gonna to start a series of messages, even though we are elongating our Vision Sunday. We're going we're gonna to talk about doing the right on the regular, right? D- doing right on the regular. I, I don't know if you've ever heard words like loser, failure, good for nothing, never amount to nothing. I don't know if you've ever heard those words. I think just about everybody probably in some time in their life have experienced comments like that, either them saying it about someone else, them overhearing a conversation about someone. And, and, and if we hear it from the outside in, it's no doubt devastating and it's difficult to swallow, especially if we're the object of those words and we hear those words. But, but I've come to learn in my life personally that when I hear those words internally, they make such a greater impact on my life than if I hear those words externally. The, the fact of the matter is anybody can base an opinion on you and it has nothing to do with reality. Sometimes people base an opinion about you and it does have something to do with reality, but chances are we are all our worst critic. It's so hard to find a balance emotionally, internally. It's so hard to find those moments of good, healthy, correcting compliments. It's so hard to to not falter to one side or the other to where in our heart and our mind, we're self-talking and we're a whole lot more than what we really are or a whole lot less than what we really are. Because if we're all honest, every single human being on this planet, which includes every single human being in this room, has a war, a battle, a struggle that is going on on the inside. And so if somebody calls me a loser and they really mean it, if, if somebody says good for nothing and they really mean it, if somebody, if somebody calls me a failure and, and they really mean it, it stays with me just a moment. But if I call myself that, if I am internalizing these things, then it stays with me a whole lot longer than just the moment. And so why in the world would I find myself in a place or a position to where I'm degrading myself internally? It's probably because there has been some inconsistency in my life over something that I value. Every human being on this planet values something. You value certain things, I value certain things. Sometimes those things blend, but every human being puts value on something. And the way we determine what we place value on is our ears perk up when that certain thing is mentioned or is around or or is acknowledged, when, when that individual shows up, when that thought process begins to roll, those values begin to crop up in our lives and we are investing ourselves through whether it be financing or whether it be people resourcing or whatever it might be, we are using the investments of our life to place in the things that we value the most. And so when when we feel like we've dropped the ball on this thing, then, then there's no doubt whether you say it or not, when you feel like you're being inconsistent in an area in which you value, you feel these ways whether or not you express that to yourself or not. 
And so how much more does that apply when we're talking about the Christian life? Now, I'm not asking for a show of hands this morning, but, but I'm asking for some internalizing this thought. How many times have you in your Christian life been battling against some certain temptation, some certain sin, and, and you've been battling this temptation and you find yourself so often caving into the temptation and sinning? And then after you sin, how do you feel? You feel like you... You sinned, right? You, you feel, you struggle, you, you feel shame, you feel guilt, you, you may feel conviction from the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes even after we've confessed and we say to the Lord again, Lord, I am so sorry that I blew it again. We still struggle with internalizing the inconsistencies. Sometimes we'll self-justify by saying, well, everybody sins. <laughs> but, but, but that only lasts so long when the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you and the Holy Spirit of God is provoking you or leading you to a place of consistent Christian living, right? And so if you are like me and if we are like the people of the Bible, then it is our desire to live the Christian life with more of a consistency in following Jesus. I have recently been reading a book called Celebration of, of Disciplines. Celebration of Disciplines. Now, this book was written some years ago, but, but, but the, 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 the title of the book almost seems a little bit kind of out of joint, contradictory when we put it in the context of our living today. Because you think about those two words, celebrate. Who don't like to celebrate? Everybody likes to celebrate, right? Let, let me put it this way. Who likes to party? Right? Celebrations are fun. We, we have birthday parties. They're celebrations. We have weddings. They're celebrations. We can come up with holidays that, that, are, that are crazy out of our mind, made up kind of holidays for the sake of celebrating because we love to celebrate. But then you take the other word, discipline. Who likes discipline? I can just about guarantee you a whole lot lesser people like discipline than like celebration. Everybody wants to go to the party, not everybody wants to go to the place to where they're told no, to where they have to find a moan of correction. And so, so as I'm, I'm reading through this book, I'm, I'm reading on certain topics of, of internally how to grow as a Christian through fasting and prayer and Bible study and meditation and, and things like that. And, and it's really broke up into a few different compartments this book is, but it has the same idea of what we're talking about this morning as a Christian who desires spiritual consistency in their life. A Christian who, who literally wants to do right on the regular. I mean, you know that you're going to make a mistake. You know that you're going to sin. Paul says in Romans 7, sin is ever present in me, man. I struggle against this thing, but be sure of this one factor that I am still struggling. Therefore, there means there's life inside of me and my desire is to do right, even though I at times my desire is doing wrong. 
So doing right on the regular, who wants to do a little bit better with their Christian life? Amen. This is where Mark chapter one comes in. Mark chapter one here, Jesus is the, the example for us again. If we, if we look to any example, you cannot find an example higher than the example of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. As a matter of fact, Peter, whenever he was writing one of his letters, spoke about Jesus being the one who has made the prince before us. We should follow in his steps because he is, he's made the way because he is the way for us as Christians. Eli said something this morning in Kingdom First prayer time that just kind of one of those moments to where, where he says that Jesus has called us to follow him and we are following him everywhere. But there was a place to where Jesus looked to his disciples and said, I am going somewhere that you cannot go. Where was that at? Jesus, you said for me to follow you and I've got to, I'm going to follow you. I want to follow you. I want to do what you called me to do. I want to mimic the life that you've led before me. So why is it there's a place that I can't go? So where Jesus went that his disciples couldn't go but needed to watch and participate in nonetheless was when he made his way to the cross. When he made his way to the cross. Follow me, do as I do, say as I say, live as I live. And at this moment, let me do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And even if you did this, it wouldn't pay your sin debt. But I'm going to a place that you can do, doing something that you can do for your sake. And so the balance of this message, I think, the balance of this series that we're going to be in over the next three Sundays, including this one, is that thought of what's happening internally and externally and together can be balanced between the action that we're called to and the affection we're supposed to surrender. Andy, how can I find healthy Christian consistency? Know whenever there is the moment of action that you're called to, there is that time of surrender to Jesus over self, to where it's more of the master than it is me, to where you say yes to the things God has called you to as far as living in purity and holiness and staying away from those things that are unclean. And then in those moments to where you just surrender and say, Jesus, I'm thankful. With an appreciative heart, we look to Jesus and we show gratitude because he did do something so that when I am inconsistent, it can be dealt with through his blood on the cross. And so Jesus is, is the example. Now, if, you, if, if, you're, if you've ever read through these 16 chapters of Mark, you'll find that Mark being in the, one of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the second in the New Testament, you see that Mark focuses an awful lot on Jesus being a servant. In these 16 chapters, he, Mark focuses more on, on the immediate issues of what Jesus is doing. As a matter of fact, when I was in school years ago, our professor taught us to take a highlighter and underscore or highlight every time we fought, found in this one simple short, the shortest gospel, straightway or immediately. This is a gospel of urgency. And so whenever Mark is writing this, of course, recalling it from the Holy Spirit, giving him the memory to write what he needed to write, he's kind of going through it really quick. So the first chapter you see, Jesus is on the scene doing the stuff, and that's good, right? It's not Matthew that talks about the birth of Jesus. It's not Luke 
that details the genealogy of Jesus. But Mark starts off saying, hey guys, guess what Jesus did? This is, this is so stinking amazing that Jesus shows up and there's John the Baptist and there's this encounter with Jesus and, and then Jesus goes out and he begins to call disciples to follow him and then Jesus shows up at church one Sunday and there's a dude possessed of a demon and Jesus casts out the demon. Yeah, sometimes that stuff even happens in church, right? And so... He's just kind of talking all of this. And then, then this one intimate moment takes place to where Jesus is in the house of one of his new followers named Simon Peter. And Simon Peter's mother-in-law, yes, yeah, Simon Peter's married. His mother-in-law gets sick with a fever. And hey, man, when Jesus is in the house, then the fever don't have to be. Right. And so, so Jesus is there. And, and so Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law of this sickness. And then word gets out of all of the area. And there's the buzz that Jesus is here and Jesus has done this. He's cast out the demon and now he's healing sick folk. And all of the city of Capernaum comes to Jesus as Jesus stands in the doorway of Peter's mother-in-law's house. And he, he heals those who are coming of all different types of sicknesses casts out devils demons and even tells the demons not only do you have to leave but shut up while you go you just read and you'll see so jesus is doing all of this amazing stuff and people are recognizing that there's something unique about jesus and so jesus in his consistency does this Mark chapter one, verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there he prayed. Jesus has, has hit the ground run, running according to the gospel of Mark. But even though he hit the ground running, he knew that when it was time for there to be the internal inspection so that he could be renewed internally. <laughs> this is, this, I think this is what's kind of crazy for us when we look at the example of Jesus. You, you look at the example of Peter and John and some of the disciples. You, you look at the example of Paul and, and you can kind of feel like you're identifying with them in a little bit better of a, of a manner. You, you guys remember the time where Peter said something dumb? Okay, which time was that? He, he, he made some claims after the book of Acts that Paul disagreed with. And Paul and, and Peter had to have a come to Jesus meeting. They, they had to have that meeting to where they disagreed. And, and, and Paul says, I wasn't willing to let Peter stay in that, but I needed to see Peter face to face and we needed to deal with these things. And when you look at the lives of these men, you can see their lives and you can say, okay, there's some identifiable marks in their life. They blew it at times like I blow it at times. And, and so even though oftentimes we think of Paul the apostle, wow, Paul the apostle, we also look at Paul and say, man, he was struggling with a thorn in the flesh too. He was dealing with some internal temptation too. The things I desire to do, I don't do. The things that I shouldn't do, I have a desire to do. Who's able to save me from this wretched man that I am? Man, there's struggle that's happening here, right? So we see those guys and we can, 
say, okay, it's, it's a little bit like what I'm going through. When you look at Jesus, this is the struggle. When you look at Jesus, Jesus was infinitely consistent. He never sinned. Not one single flaw. Not, not one mistake. Not, 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 not one time to where he said something that the father didn't tell him to say. Not one time that he didn't point his toes in the direction the father didn't send him to. Not one single time did he have the wrong attitude in any encounter with any human being. And yet he's the High priest, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, that's been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows exactly in all points of temptation, like as what we've been tempted and are tempted, and yet without sin. And still, after a long, hard day of ministry and a long, hard night of ministry, Jesus knew there were some needs internally that must be met for him to continue this lifestyle of consistent Christian living. This, this doing the right on the regular. Jesus is doing right regularly here. And, and if we look at the example of Jesus just in this one verse, much less all of the New Testament or all of the Gospels, but just in this one verse, we might see in this one verse where we could learn some lessons of some consistent action. So how can we, as Christians, followers of Jesus, be a little bit more consistent in our walk, be a be a little bit better with being right on the regular and not doing something for the sake of doing, checking a box, but doing something because it's our desire to honor and serve the Lord with what's happening on the inside. We're going to talk about the inside today. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about what's happening around you on the outside. And that could be in so many different places, not just when you're at home with your people, not just when you're at church with your people, not just when you're at work, but, but, but every aspect of life, And then we're going to talk about doing this thing together of Christian living. And so what, is, what does Jesus do to set the example here of internalizing the consistency that we desire as Christians? Well, the first thing you notice on the verse on the screen is that Jesus found time to refocus. He found some time. To refocus. If, if you say this, if you make this comment, where did the time go? Who, who says that? When's the last time you said, man, where did time go? Most of the time, it's whenever you see a kid that was here and now they're there, right? Where did the time go? Or, or maybe as you, you look in the mirror and you see a little more white hairs and a little more wrinkles. And, Amen. <laughs> where did the time go? How many of you guys remember when you was young? Huh? For some of you, it's really hard. Remember that far. <laughs> but, but if you're the kind of person that catches yourself at times saying, where did the time go? Then you need this. You, you, you need to find time to refocus. <laughs> it's not saying that there's not going to be times to where you're shocked and you think to yourself, man, I'm closer to heaven than I am to the, to, to the start, you know. 
But this, this refocusing is something that, that we need. This refocusing is something that, that Jesus did. And, and he knew that he needed the moment of refocusing. Understand that this is God in flesh. He is only limited by what he desires or allows himself to be limited by. And, and so if this, this God in flesh, Jesus, can go to the wilderness and fast, by the way, that means not eat or drink anything, for 40 days and 40 nights, there's obviously something amazing, supernatural about this individual. If he can walk through closed locked doors after his resurrection, there is something unique about this individual and yet still... He sets the example for us and poses the question with this verse, when is the last time you said to life, time out? This is what I have committed myself to and surrendered myself for. Now, have I deviated from that commitment? Have I changed the way I am supposed to be living this life of following Jesus. Hey guys, today is January the 9th, right? How many of y'all January 1 woke up with a new feeling about a new year and so you were going to have all of these New Year's resolutions? Does anybody make New Year's resolutions anymore? I need to see a hand if you did it. Thank you. It's about three or four hands. Rest of us are like, Psh, 2022, we're just going to roll like 2021, right? Okay. <laughs> three of you out there that are they're looking differently for this year. It's kind of like this New Year's resolution, but instead it's a new life resolution, right? To take the time. To make the time. And the only way that you're able to take the time is to be able to make the time. And so Jesus, what did he do in verse 35, the first part of that verse? And in the morning, rising up a great while before it is day. Now, some of you guys, just go ahead and admit it. You ain't never going to see the sunrise. Just go ahead and admit it. <laughs> I'm telling you, just me, I'm, I, I love morning. I feel energy bursts in the morning. About 8.45 at night, it's telling down real hard, right? Just, and the older I get, that's the more it works. I, I used to remember hearing older people when I was a lot younger talk about waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, what in the world? You mean there's a 4 a.m. too? You know? Why in the world would they want to wake up so early? And then the older I get, the, the earlier I'm waking up unintentionally, it's just usually not the alarm on my phone, it's the alarm on my bladder, but you get what I'm saying, right? And so, but for some of you, you're never going to get up early, and that's okay. Some of you work overnight. You're driving home after a long night work, and you're seeing the sun up, but the sun up for you is, is the sun down for you, and, and so you're going home. And so when we see this, and in the morning, rising up a great while before his day, if you'll read this previous verses, Jesus, a good portion of the night, is healing the, the city that is coming to him. He, has, he doesn't have a, a whole lot of reserve in his tank as far as sleep is concerned and this may be a peculiar moment for Jesus in the gospels but for Jesus this was the time this was the time I'm going to give you something extremely practical okay you ready for this extremely practical you should always make a time that is going to be a regular time for you to refocus 
Maybe for you, it is five o'clock in the morning before anybody else wakes up, before the kids get, get to going crazy and, and all that. It, it, it may be before your spouse wakes up and you're going to spend that extra time in the word and prayer. And so you're refocusing during that time. But, but, but practically speaking, it may be you at lunch all alone. It may be you 30 minutes before it is time for bed or while your spouse is snored on the couch while an episode of Mandalorian's on. Mandalorian, why did that? Anyway, it's a good series. You should watch it, Star Wars. So, it, but, but set a time. Set a time. Don't let the time be interrupted as much as you possibly can. Another practical thing is sometimes times are interrupted, right? But just as well as sometimes our time is interrupted and it should be sparsely because we're trying to concrete that time, a time set aside, focused on reestablishing and refocusing our life. There's also times to where there has to be those spontaneous sporadic moments to where when we do catch a break, we are able to in that moment refocus. <laughs> so, so there again, there is a balance there with that. And so the consistency for you is finding the time. Find the time. Don't let time escape you. The last thing you want to do when you stand before Jesus and things are all over for you and look at him and then you say, man, where did the time go? That's not what you want. But that will happen if you don't right now begin making make some decisions and saying, OK, I'm on I'm on purpose some time. I'm going to plan some. I'm going to block out some time. I'm going to make sure that I've got a, a time to refocus. But. But then he goes on and says, rising up a great while before it was day, he went out and departed into a solitary place for me to be able to internalize things. I've got to take time. I got to find that time to to refocus. But also I got to. I got to get alone for a minute. I got to find that solitary place, right? Not, not, not to play solitary, but to get solitary. Not solitary confinement, but a moment to where I'm alone. Not necessarily just alone, not, not, not isolated alone. Isolated alone means I'm getting away from things that are helpful for me. Solitary means I'm getting to a place to where I can get helped, right? And so that's different for all of us just as well. And it was different for Jesus. There were times to where Jesus would go to a garden. There were times to where Jesus would go over a mountain. There were times to where Jesus was on the seashore. There was times to where Jesus would just go out alone. And he, he went out into a solitary place all by himself. Now, all by yourself shouldn't again mean isolation, but it should mean a quiet moment. A quiet moment. I always feel bad or weird whenever I'm preaching this, knowing that there are parents of young children in the room. Good luck for you. Yeah. I know I've been there. I've been there to where you, you play hide and seek with your kids and you're it. As long as you can be it, you're it. And then you run to the bathroom and you lock yourself in there. Until they realize daddy's not playing this game anymore. Don't act like I'm the only one that's done that, right? You just sometimes, you're looking for those moments of solitude and, and alone. And so what, what sometimes you need is, is you need a partner to help you get those moments. But, 
Don't say I'm too busy. Don't say that I'm too needed. Hinge on a gate. Hinge on a gate works and is smooth when the hinge is brand new and it's, it's well put together and it's on the gate and it swings and it swings and it may swing a thousand times in a day. But over a period of time, if it's unattended, it gets rusty and it begins to deteriorate and it breaks down until one day it's completely broken and unuseful. You can't find yourself that way. You, 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 you've, got, you've got to take the moments to where you can, you can rest and you can be re-oiled and, and that, that place of, of solitude. And, and so Jesus, if he's the example, went to that solitary place and it's okay to, to get alone. But let me warn you on the other side of that, don't find yourself alone for too long. Huh. I may not be talking to everybody, but I'm definitely talking to Andy. Sometimes alone for a long period of time ain't good for me. It, it's brief moments uh, of alone so that we can have this moment to, to breathe and so that we're taking this time so that, that we can refocus. But, but it's not Proverbs 18.1 type of isolation. If a person isolates himself, removes himself from those around him who love him and are checking on him and encouraging him and mentoring him or her, when we, when we say stiff arm to everything that is good and we get alone, then we, are, we seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Okay, it's the King James. This is a hard verse to understand in the King James. Let me put it this way in some Scott County vernacular. Remember when you was in the fifth grade and your neighbor in the chair beside you kept getting in your bag and you looked at him and said, stop meddling, right? Stop meddling with my stuff. Okay, maybe it was just a McGee lingo. I don't know. Stop meddling. And so you're, you're meddling in a plan that God has devised for you. Stop meddling. Allow. Allow yourself. So you isolate so that you can come back refreshed and refocused. But then the last thing is this. Just showing up. Just showing up before the Lord. Jesus, after a long night of ministry and a lot of healing and casting out demons, and this was no doubt a burden on him, wakes up at a time to refocus. He goes to a place to where there's nobody else there, and he catches his breath. And there, what did he do with his space and his time? He prayed. He prayed. This is one thing that I'm learning more and more about prayer. Prayer is not as much about me speaking up as it is me showing up. If you're not careful, you can show up before the Lord and you can say all kind of stuff as time fillers, as nobody here does this. Prayer for you is a panic button. God! Uh, God, you, do you know what's happening down here? God, do you know what that person said to me? God, do you know that the, the, the light company is looking for this bill to be? God, do you know, do you know? And we're hitting that panic button and that's prayer for most of us, most of the time, if we're honest. But as we grow in our faith, we can understand that prayer is not as much about speaking up, but 
Just showing them. Jesus shows up before the Lord. Now, this is the thing about this prayer is we don't know what happened in this conversation. But let's just say that you have somebody in your life who's an absolute genius. And you have so many different questions. Wouldn't it be wise of you to come and ask the question and spend more time listening than responding? <laughs> Just show up before the Lord. Andy, I want to live. I want to do right on the regular. I want to live a little more uh, consistent Christian life. I, I'm sick and tired of the failures. I'm sick and tired of this interpersonal struggle of, of me downing myself after every flaw and every mistake and every mess up. So, so how can I live a little bit more consistent? You got to take time to refocus. Get solitary for a moment. And just show up before the Lord. Because the fact of the matter is, he is the potter and you are the clay. If he's the potter and you're the clay, then stop trying to make yourself through your busyness and your overactivity and your indwelling faults that ruin and run away and just surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. 